coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Threat Poet Society. A never-before-seen rat is targeting energy companies. Next up, why not Wi-Fi? Agent Tesla InfoSealer Malware's new dedicated module. And finally, our 16th round of Two Truths and a Lie. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 44, recorded on April 20th, 2020. I'm your co-host Kelsey, one-hit punder LaBelle, with me co-host Chad, pun drunk, Anderson, and our only one and only Tarek Mountain out of a Malware Sala. Welcome all. It's so nice to have you back on the podcast. We survived another week. Yes. We did it, folks. We did it. Now with more puns. That's, that's the way to go. Well, we have a lot to talk about here. So without further ado, let's um, shimmy on into our first topic, which is Threat Poets Society. So a never before seen rat is targeting an energy company with various tools aimed at stealing credentials and exfiltrating valuable data. So Tarek, before we get into the intimate details of this rat, uh, we have to discuss why the re researchers at Cisco Talus dubbed this malware Poet Rat. Yeah, I know. That's really interesting. So I got to tell you, when I first read the article, the first thing I was looking for was references to Shakespeare, to, to why they called it Poet Rat. Like I was looking for like strings or some sort of like, you know, immediate thing. But Talus made just a quick snippet reference saying, uh, that they labeled it poet rap because of references to Shakespeare. And so like, I'm like parsing through the write-up and I don't see any uh, references to Shakespeare inside of the write-up. So I get a little bit kind of like, all right, well that's now, now I'm really curious. And uh, I download like four or five of these different samples uh, that they posted from their IOC table. And it turns out um, there's a couple verses from Shakespeare's Sonnet 116 in some of the fishing lure text bodies uh, inside of these Word documents. So, um, you know, and, and what we saw uh, are inside of the actual macros themselves. And um, that's actually a little bit more common. Um, there's uh, quite a bit of obfuscation tools out there in the wild that use song lyrics to scramble source code. Um, you know, we see that a lot, especially with VBScript and malicious Word document attacks. And, you know, a lot of the purpose of that is to throw off like the uh, static code analyzers um, that take a look at source code um, and clear text, like VBScript, for example, um, really looking for those uh, like common patterns, right? Like references to PowerShell, references to, you know, JavaScript and, um, you know, websites and things like that. And so by using a lot of these uh, obfuscation tools uh, that replace a lot of those keywords with uh, song lyrics, or in this case, Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare is a new one. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting stuff. That's awesome. And this, you know, this is a time where we need poetry most. And I want to invite Chad to read us his favorite poem of all time. Chad, Chad, would you care? Oh, certainly. It's, it's very simple. It's very quick. It's just bad poetry. Oh, no, a tree. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Chad. You're welcome. Eat, eat that up. Shakespeare ain't got nothing on you, man. <laughs> I don't even remember where I, I read that first. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Chad Sonnet yeah. 116. I Chad wonder Sonnet. if 
if uh so you know sir patrick stewart's been reading a sonnet a day on his instagram from shakespeare's sonnets i wonder if that's where the poet rat folks got their inspiration if they uh they heard it there and were like oh wow that's pretty good i'm gonna use that for some obfuscating (laughs) (laughs) i like it oh gosh um, I was looking up, I, I'm going to be honest, Shakespeare puns earlier today, because why wouldn't you? And um, let's see, Temptation is the Root of All Cake was one I saw and liked. <laughs> With gin and water, let old wrinkles come. Anyway, that's all I got for you. Thank you for sharing, Chad. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> um, <laughs> so more importantly, Tarek, uh, well, that's that's arguable. Outside, of course, of the wonderful name. Um, what else did the folks at Cisco Talos observe? Yeah, so this one was extremely interesting. Uh, the more I read into what uh, the Talos researchers kind of dug up. So from the attackers like motivation perspective, we have a really specific and targeted campaign against the citizens of Azerbaijan. Um, although the attackers are specifically targeting Azerbaijan citizens, um, what's really interesting is that um, this is an attack against um uh, Azerbaijan industries and organizations, so government agencies and um, explicitly um, some private sector companies specializing in SCADA systems. And that's always really interesting to see. So based on the capabilities of PoetRat, it was also pretty broad in what it can do. Um, so we see malware generally have like a targeted purpose in terms of capabilities. Um, this Poet Rat was really interesting because it was so broad. It had uh, modules that allowed for key logging functionality, password stealing from um, a lot of local web browsers, SQL databases, and overall reverse shell functionality. Awesome. Thank you for summarizing that for us, Tarek. And according to the research, again, Talos did a great job. They found some separate documents distributing the malware itself. What did they contain? And can you tell us about the lures that were used? Yeah, so the threat actors behind PoetRat took several different angles to build these trip-wired Word documents, um, masquerading as Azerbaijan government organizations. Um, and so, and to backtrack a little bit too, there are three known different uh, individual campaigns. One of the biggest ones was the one I just mentioned, where they masqueraded as actual Azerbaijan government organizations. Um, and in those, they all have one commonality, those three different campaigns, where the attackers built a... Um, VB macro um, that is inside of and embedded inside of um, these uh, Word documents that are uh, distributed. Um, and inside of those uh, VB macros, um, they exuded a dropper uh, a dropper capability. So, you know, it's really common uh, when we see VB macro attacks um, to have downloader functionalities. And just a level set, um, a dropper is we have a Word document that's booby-trapped. And inside of that Word document, we have an embedded uh, executable file. Um, whereas a downloader, we see the VB macro itself just run. Usually PowerShell code is really common um, to actually go to a different website or a URL to download the next stage, which usually contains a different payload and execute that. But what was interesting about PoetRat is it actually embedded um, the uh, actual uh, additional payloads inside of the document itself and just called it. Um, and Talos uh, also noticed on the other two campaigns that they were both coronavirus themed, um, which is the obviously the hot topic of the uh, past month or two. And the attackers definitely included references to coronavirus um, in both of those. On a, a really interesting side note too, on one of these campaigns, there was a specific phishing site that was spun up 
um, that was like explicitly targeting Azerbaijan government employees too for credential harvesting. So we're kind of painting a bigger picture of what these attackers' motivations are. I think they would have to call that Shakespeare fishing. Oh, so good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hate that and like that so much. (laughs) So what happens once the macros themselves are enabled then? Yeah, so um, before the macros are really kicked off, the attackers, and we've seen this is relatively common, and it's kind of a genius way to get individuals to click on that big yellow button that says enable macros. And that's by making the initial document when you open it up a picture, usually like a blurry picture of what you're trying to do. So this looks like a like a blurry or a fuzzy image of an actual document itself. And then the lore would be click on enabling macros and open the document again to view the document. So it's actually pretty clever. Um, there was a really interesting, uh, uh, Talos noted a really interesting watermark on one of the documents um, with a like an official looking government symbol, um, which is actually uh, the Defense Research and Development Organization of the government of India, which has no relation to this attack at all. But it's one of those things that uh, fishers and attackers do to make their documents look way more, you know, quote, official um, to really just get people to go ahead and open them up. So after, um, you know, the victim enables macros and opens up the document, the macro kicks off and executes dropping poet, poet rat on the actual victim box inside of an embedded um, or inside of a zip file uh, with the nice, uh, lovely file name of smile.zip. <laughs> How lovely. <laughs> And getting into the meat of the topic, pun intended, what is the makeup of this rat? Yeah, so the I just talked about smile.zip that gets dropped um, in a post-macro execution uh, attack uh, chain. What that actual zip file contains are two individual files. Um, one is the Python interpreter and the actual rat file themselves. Uh, generally, which is interesting, um, you know, a lot of Python-based malware that I've analyzed generally comes compiled together from uh, two different libraries, either PyInstaller or Py2exe, um, which compiles all of your dependencies and your Python interpreter into a generally large static binary. So you don't need to have all these kind of complex files built together. You just have one executable that a victim double clicks and, you know, off you go on your attacker kill chain. Um, and uh, so... That generally is not how PoetRat operates. Um, Poet uh, has that individual interpreter and individual rat file that gets called um, kind of separately, which is interesting. Um, And one thing that PoetRat does do that a lot of other Python-based malware does is have uh, pretty trivial but extremely effective anti-sandboxing functionality built into the code. Um, and so one of the most common techniques that we see in um, all stages of anti-sandboxing techniques, uh, but specifically with, uh, with Python-based ones, is determining the size of the disk of the victim that PoetRat is running on. Um, in this case, it's really specific. If the Poet, if PoetRat detects that it's running in an environment where the disk size or the hard drive is less than 62 gigs, then the attackers are making the assumption that it's likely running in a virtual machine and won't continue running. So that's pretty clever when you're running malware in a virtual machine because you generally don't allocate more disk space than needed because you need to save space. And it's generally a waste, um, especially when you're running your own Cuckoo cluster, which is a uh, open source um, sandbox environment. You want to have as many virtual machines as possible 
because it's set up in kind of a queuing situation. So Poet Rat, after making those um, that sandbox check, has several really useful C2 commands for uh, moving data um, and manipulating data uh, on the victim machine, uh, downloading and executing additional payloads, or exfiltrating data. Um, and what's really interesting about uh, Poet Rat is that although a lot of this stuff is really sophisticated, it's um, exfiltrating data over a really old school protocol, FTP. Um, it's a bit archaic, um, but what's really interesting and one thing to kind of keep in mind here is that not a lot of networks actually implement a, like proper egress filtering on their firewalls. So this exfiltration channel will work most of the time. Um, another really interesting point too is that Poet also leverages the um, OpenCV library uh, for Python, which allows you to interface with the camera's API. So you know, generally, broadly speaking, Poet's pretty sophisticated in what it can do. Ah, uh, a sophisticated Poet. How beautiful. <laughs> so the question I'll end on here before we sneak into our hoodie ratings is, are there any sense of the attacker's motivations at this point? Well, one thing we could clearly say is that this is espionage related. Um, the poet malware authors and the attackers that are involved in these campaigns uh, are definitely looking for as much data as they can collect on individuals in the private and public sector of Azerbaijan. So we have these attackers that are casting a really large net and just really sitting back hoping they can catch something oh boy all right well with that that fantastic download thank you Tarek. that was very in-depth i really appreciate it let's let's hop into the hoodie rating scale and i'm gonna start with you chad and just as a quick level set this is from zero to ten hoodies get there in the most creative way like parkour your way through that hoodie rating as much as you want um and have some fun with it but ten is you know you should be incredibly concerned not listening to the podcast running to your war stations and zero is again kind of good good water cooler talk a good laugh but not something that you as a defender should be very concerned about so chad what do you think you know i think with um with these that are typical espionage you know if you aren't targeted i wouldn't uh worry about it too much but if you're if you're uh if you are you know you've got problems um, I would say uh, it's probably a 7 out of 10, which is where I usually land with these. Um, and maybe even a little bit lower since, um, you know, just blocking all FTP egress is something you could actually do now and not really worry about it too much. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with 6.5 out of 10. I would like to hear you go off on a soliloquy about making sure that you block FTP and then end it with, but I egress. That would be that would be wonderful if you would do that. <laughs> I okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tark, what would your rating be? You know, I'm I'm usually pretty in line with Chad. Uh, I think we have the same kind of thought process here. I'm gonna give this a seven out of ten. Um, and the reason is um, this is really targeted to a specific uh, country. Um, and so really, it comes down to threat modeling. If you are um, involved or have any assets that are in, you know, Azerbaijan, you might want to be uh, extra precautious and kind of definitely take into consideration what Chad mentioned about blocking FTP egress um, if you do get infected. Um, yeah, but this one, I, I think that the net that they're casting is pretty large and what they're looking for is really specific. Um, I also don't, I have the assumption, and this is just a complete assumption, that you know, the uh, private and public sector of Azerbaijan on the tech level may not be um, adequate or up to date on doing these kind of protections against this kind of malware. So 
I think they, we might see a lot more victims here. Um, so I'm going to give this a solid 7 out of 10. Excellent. Thank you both for your input. And we'll move on to why not Wi-Fi. So some new variants of the Agent Tesla InfoStealer malware now come with a dedicated module for stealing Wi-Fi passwords from infected devices. Credentials that might be used in future attacks to spread, to compromise other systems on the same wireless network. That felt like a great infomercial to start off with. I, I like this this big sale for a dedicated module. Um, but Chad, what what is Agent Tesla? Can you give us one of your famous history lessons here? But wait, there's more. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Agent Tesla is a .NET-based info stealer malware. It's been around since 2014-ish. Um, according to the Cisco Talos folks, it's from this group Swede uh, that brought us LokiBot, Formbook, uh, those sorts of things. The... First time that I looked at Agent Tesla, what struck me as interesting is they do some fun things with steganography, where it's just like the hiding of data in images um, that I thought was pretty novel at the time for malware. Um, it, it unpacks a second, more malicious executable from the stego data in the images and runs that. So that was always pretty interesting. That is fantastic. I have a, I have a question for you, Chad. Mm -hmm. What is a cyber criminal's favorite type of art? I don't know. You have to tell me. I thought you were going to ask dinosaur and we were going to have to go with stegosaurus. <laughs> well, I was going to say their favorite art is art stecco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, we'll move on from that moment. Um, Chad, what can you tell us about these new samples? Um, the new samples, uh, they also execute on an image that has an, another executable inside of it, rather. that um, does a bunch of anti-sandboxing checks and anti-virtualization checks and whatnot before running its final uh, form there. Uh, they do the usual, like a stealing browser credentials, uh, basically everybody unique information about the system that they can find. Um, and then now they're also grabbing credentials from wireless profiles, like the new module suggests. Yeah, and that segues well to my next question I had for you, which is how does this info stealer allow the attackers to grab said Wi-Fi passwords? And what other information are they collecting? Yeah, so they uh, it uses the NetSH tool on Windows, which just allows you to configure the networking from the shell. It's like, you know, IW config on Linux or, or whatnot. Uh, but this then pulls in all those profiles that are saved, iterates over them and extracts the keys and whatnot, um, as well as, you know, uh, SSIDs. What's interesting about that to me is there's a large wireless map called the Wiggle Map that people have just mapped out wireless networks all over the place. So, um, you know, they said that this might be to spread, but it, it may also be just to be able to pinpoint the location on the Wiggle Map of where they have, um, you know, the where this computer is infected in case they can't get location data from it. So um, what I do find kind of funny about this as well is out of, after they collect all this information, they ship it all over email and plain text, um, bouncing off a Yandex SMTP server. So there's just tons of like email flying around with stolen data on these unencrypted email relays. I mean, assuming that, you know, they are connected with SSL. Huh. That's interesting. And uh, I guess another follow-up question I have is in terms of all that data that they're collecting, do researchers have any sense of what that will be used for? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, their thought was that it would be for spreading um, over Wi-Fi, uh, but there's so many more uses for, 
that SSID um, information, especially with all that stuff being mapped, like I said, with the wiggle map. Um, there's also just, you know, maybe they're just collecting passwords for common Wi-Fi passwords. Um, uh, but yeah. And just really quickly, I know that the article mentioned good old Emotet. How does that intersect this conversation with, with good old Emotet? Oh, yeah. Well, Emotet spreads over Wi-Fi now as well, or has has for a while. So um, that's probably the um, the interaction there that they were talking about. Um, Emotet has a number of novel ways for spreading itself. Was there... There, I'm sure there was malware that spread over um, good old dial-up. <laughs> oh yeah, well your first, uh, the first worms, you know. Um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Through AOL disk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> AOL, you could say, was a virus. It ruined the <laughs> internet for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, finally, Chad, how much of a threat is this Agent Tesla payload? You know, info sealers always a big problem. Um, you know, it's especially if people have, you know, credit card information or anything like that stored, you know, all that data gets siphoned off and sold. Um, I, I would say that uh, this one is a kind of crafty, so it'll probably get around some detections. But um, and anything with steganography is always interesting to me, like I said before. But uh, I, I would say, you know, we'd have to lean on Tarek for the hoodie rating to uh, decide um, just how much of a threat this is. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess when it comes to Agent Tesla, I mean, this is, I always think it's really interesting when you have um, malware that's been around for a long time, like Agent Tesla since like 2014 and has constantly evolved and been able to uh, maintain notoriety and maintain, you know, uh, being relevant, right? And so Agent Tesla is one of those. And whenever you have those, I think that really speaks to how sophisticated the authors are of Agent Tesla. Um, you know, and they're, they're, you know, pretty brazen about what they do. They have like their own website where you can, you know, buy access from like, I think it's like 15 to 70 bucks uh, to get access to Agent Tesla, um, uh, which is really uh, brazen and, and out there. But, you know, anytime you have info stealer malware, like Chad was talking about, that's a big deal. I know with Agent Tesla specifically, it does form grabbing. So it's going to grab your, uh, you know, your, you know, any kind of passwords locally, but anything you fill out on a web form gets also submitted from Agent Tesla because it just controls what's going on in the browser. That's always a big deal. Um, I'm going to give this one just because of how long it's been around and uh, the data it accesses. I'm going to give this a, you know, seven out of 10. Chad, after you've been informed, would you agree with Tarek's hoodie rating there? I absolutely would. Uh, you know, and also it's, it's just info stealers are annoying um, because it is such uh, low bar commodity malware that people are using. <laughs> uh, like Tarek said, it's like 17 bucks to get access. So um, yeah, seven out of 10, definitely. Excellent. Well, thank you both. Really appreciate you going and diving deep into both of those articles, but it's time to have some fun. So this week, Chad will be Ardolos, aka the man who is trying to surprise, shock and awe Tarek and myself. We're going to be playing Two Truths and a Lie, and rather than talking about ourselves, we will be bringing up three article titles. In this case, it will be Chad, two of which are true and one is a lie. So Chad... Are you ready to rumble? Oh, yes, absolutely. All right. 
Tark, are you are you ready? Have you stretched? Are you prepared for this game? Born ready. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, number one, um, Cisco VPN client allows for privilege escalation through path traversal. Number two is Zoom vulnerability allows for attackers to take screenshots of attendees without joining the conference. And then number three is HTTP cache poisoning leads to theft of Rocket League accounts. Oh, these are all really good, man. Damn you, Chad. Wow. I like that. Wonderful. Wow. Hmm. I'll give you first right of refusal, Tark. You want to go first or second? You know what? I'll I'll go first. I'm not going to overthink this one, and I'm going to go with the Cisco VPN vulnerability. Hmm. I'm going to go with numero dos because I don't want to live in a world where that's ac- uh, accurate. <laughs> All right, can we get a <laughs> drum roll? Hit us with a chat. The lie was the Zoom vulnerability. I yes. know it, it seems like Woo. it would be uh, it would be true with everything else with Zoom, but uh, yeah, it's not yet. Not that I know of or have seen. <laughs> There's a different O'Day out there um, that's probably worse, but it's not that one. <laughs> awesome. Sweet victory! I've been in a dry spell. Wow, wow! I feel I feel very accomplished. Take your victory lap. I will. It'll be a very short lap here inside, um, but I will take it stretch the old legs <laughs> before I am once again pummeled in I'm sure episode 45 <laughs> excellent well thank you both again always have a great time talking with you too to anybody who's listening in I hope you and your family are well that you're surviving this pandemic and we can't wait till we're on the other side of it with everybody so just want to thank everybody I'll mention briefly too that uh, Chad and Tarek when this podcast comes out um Pretty much an hour later, they'll be doing a great presentation on some of the research we talked about in episode 40 on COVID lock. So I invite you to join us um, and it will be on, available on demand if you're not able to join us live. So thank you everybody for your time. Remember, don't drink and click and we'll see you next week. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.